Howdy friends, Craig here. In this episode, we pick the brain of Roman Heckenberger to get all of the secrets on how to effectively play Colette in the Showgirls crew. Stick around to the end where I force him to reveal some of the best ways to counter this powerful and disruptive keyword. Before we jump in, our friends at Gadzooks Gaming have a sweet offer for all of our U.S. and Canadian listeners. Now, Gadzooks Gaming has always been a big supporter of The Third Floor, as well as Malifaux and a ton of other games like Wild West Exodus, Dark Age, Frostgrave, and Legion. What makes it my favorite online retailer is the customer service and their amazing custom terrain and accessories. They are giving all of our North American listeners free shipping if you spend over $100 and use the promo code THIRDFLOOR, spelled out one word, T-H-I-R-D. Check them out at gadzoopsgaming.com. All the details are in the show notes. The promo code is third floor. Now on to the episode. Oh, wow. That's well, what's their move? Seven. Oh, good Lord. With flight. Are there other models that, you know, make up maybe say 80% of your lists? And it does three, four, six damage. Ooh, that's good. It is, and this is how good this uh, ability is. That is the secondary reason I use it on anybody. Now she is the leading lady, getting all the spotlights on her, so the rest of the crew can go do what they need to do to get you the points. What exactly is she doing to disrupt the other crew? So you can actually get a decent amount of range damage in this crew, uh, which isn't that usual for Arcanist. I already hate that model. I've I've faced that model twice, and I hate that model. It's so good. There are few things better than stepping away from the screens. Unplugging and sitting around a table to do battle with your friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars brings you the latest strategies, tactics, and reviews on board games, card games, and miniature games like Malifaux. If you want useful information on the games you already play, or new insights on great games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor, and today we're doing a deep dive into the Arcanist Master Colette Dubois and how she and the Performer crew work in Malifaux Third Edition. Now, my guest is Roman Heckenberger, an accomplished Arcanist player in the U.S., a voice on the excellent podcast Steam Powered Scoundrels, as well as a writer pretty regularly now for the Schemes and Stones blog, which is something you should always check out. So, Roman, welcome to the third floor. Can you give our listeners a little bit of background on you as a gamer, how you got into Malifaux, and how you ended up with the terrible choice of being an Arcanist player? (laughs) Happy to be here, Craig. Thanks for having me. Uh, As far as how I got here, I played 40K for several years, uh, mostly Space Wolves with a little bit of Dark Eldar, and decided to move on uh, when M2E Wave 2 came out uh, with several of my 40k friends because we had gotten tired of a bunch of codex creep yeah uh, I actually started as a gremlin player uh, picking up brewmaster first because Colette wasn't quite out yet and I picked
picked her up as soon as her crew box released as my second master and have been pretty focused on Arcanist ever, ever since. Uh, although at this point, when I switched to 40K, I never changed the amount of money I spent on models as much as I tried to. Uh, so I have, I think it last counts at least four masters in every faction. Wow. Yeah. Ask me how many of them are painted and uh, have been played more than five times. Uh, but yeah, uh, somehow having both Bruy and Colette as my formative starter masters, I still have friends who play with me. And uh, Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that happened, but uh, they definitely got me to focus on the strat and scheme pools after switching over from 40K's Kill, Kill, Kill. Yeah. Um, and that has, it's gotten me to a very schemey place over killing as far as my play style goes, which really uh, spoke to me with Colette in M2E. She's very complex and plays kind of sideways. Uh, and I found a lot of people were having some issues with that as I got to play more. I actually ended up to help people with that. I wrote the current uh, pinned post in the Arcanist forums, uh, the Colette Guide to Stage Management, and I do plan on following up with an M3E version after the official release hits, just in case there's any changes between now and then. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what we uh, what we have. Uh, we just recently released an episode a couple weeks ago of um, uh, Matt Carter from the design team. And uh, I didn't pick up on it when we were recording it, but he hinted that there's some secret uh, little sneaky changes that are coming between the open beta and release. Um, and we'll be, uh, when this is released, Roman, we'll only be a few weeks away until... Uh, we get that m3 so i'll be really interested to see and he hinted that it might have something to do with masters so we'll have to see um so you you know you start with brewy but um i can really see if you had you know that transition from 40k i could see how the scheminess of it really could be attractive as something truly different i'm a reformed 40k player and it was probably the hardest thing for me to get my head around but once i did it's part of why i fell in love Oh, entirely the same here. Like when I, I have a hard time going into very kill based games anymore. I'm like, this isn't as interesting as it could be. I want to I want to dance around you and, and jump into hidden trap doors. Why are we killing each other? <laughs> yeah, it's not only like thematic, like you like you're saying, Roman, it, it, it's it's just it makes the game more interesting like you said as well you know it just i don't know i'm with you man i want i have a hard time going to other games now um you know i've goofed around and played a couple different games and you know i can go and play like a board game like i've been playing a lot of the uh batman uh gotham city chronicles game that just came out from the kickstarter mm -hmm. i've been seeing your, your painting it looks great <laughs> Thank you. It's it's good. You know, it's a good game, but it's not Malifaux, but I don't want it to be Malifaux. The problem is, is when I play some other miniature games, you know, and try them out, it just it doesn't have enough for me. Um, so I think you and I are on, definitely on the same vibe. But uh, that's enough boring stuff about uh, Craig and Roman. Let's talk about why everybody tuned in and let's talk about Colette. So Roman, you know, somebody who's been a vet, really, to have played her as long as you did in 2E, and then now to uh, have transitioned over to third edition, can you give us kind of a general overview on Colette? Let's pretend that somebody listening has never heard of her before. Okay. Well, uh, generally speaking, as long as I've been playing her, uh, she and her crew are top performance schemers. Uh, they 
can be a little pillow fisted as far as hitting goes, they can do it when they need to. But primarily they are there to scheme, counter scheme, uh, and she supports them to do so. Although in this case, it used to be she was more direct support. Now in M3E, she's very much more of a disruption of the other crew instead of directly supporting her own, which is a, a kind of a difference. If you think of them as being a stage play, it used to be she was the director or the the mysterious figure in the shadows kind of calling out, hey, you need to do this and that until the final curtain call when she jumps out and gets you all your points at the end. Now she is the leading lady getting all the spotlights on her so the rest of the crew can go do what they need to do to get you the points. You know, it's so great about the keyword system, Roman, and just your little uh, bit there just really emphasizes. I love how all of the crews I'm coming across both feel and play like they're fluff. And and, it, and it's so cool that you have been able to already kind of build that narrative around it. And, you know, to have the thematic crew, I think, helps with that. What do you think? I completely agree. Um, she and she she's always had that ability. I've always thought of her as the stage play. It just before you had the keyword ability, you would go, am I running, you know, Colette on ice? Am I bringing a bunch of raspy stuff with it? Right. Uh, fire and ice, a bit of a menagerie. If you're bringing Marcus things now, it's all showgirls. So you're you're doing whatever play you want every time. That's so cool. That's so cool. So, you know, you talk about her kind of being disruption master. Now, does that mean, Roman, that um, she doesn't have support tools in place or is she truly kind of out there screwing around with the other crew and then, um, you know, the, the rest of her crew kind of does her own thing? She is throwing roses to the other crew and blowing them kisses, and then they are not knowing what to do in response. And the rest of the crew is doing what they need to do. Uh, but so, she does have a few things that can be both disruption to the opponent or support to your crew as you need them. Gotcha. So l- let's talk mechanics a little bit. So when, when what exactly is she doing to disrupt the other crew? Uh, she is getting them out of position primarily, uh, although the other thing she's doing is handing out distracted and after that stunned to, Ooh. yeah, it, it's, that's honestly this whole crew's primary defense is distracted and stunned. Uh, other than that, she is presto changing or false realitying the targets to where they don't want to be and hopefully in a way that is keeping the rest of her crew safe. So she's got ways of of getting the crew out of uh, the opposing crew out of position. She has three different ways on the back of her card of getting them out of position. I'll tell you, that is one of those things in uh, especially in um, late 2E and I'm seeing it in 3E that's so easy to underestimate. So like, you know, you read about stuff about, you know, push your model this way or push, you know, after this as a trigger uh, place or reposition. And it reads like, oh, that's cool. But when you actually play that stuff and you realize how powerful it is to be able to move your opponent's models, and as a reser player, you know, it's something that I learned the power of, it, it, it's it's a big deal. Oh, yeah, because if, oh, no, they work on everything out of an aura, I'm going to move them half an inch out of that aura. Tough luck. Yeah, and people are moving deliberately, right? They're moving to score. And, you know, if you're, if you, even if they know you can do it, 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 it's so disruptive. So that's very cool. Mm-hmm. So if you were to categorize her main strengths, does that pretty much fall under, you know, those buckets that we just talked about the disruption? 
That uh, interacting is is also a strength. She has don't mind me like just about everything in her crew. Uh, and that's huge. Oh yeah, it's 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 the defining keyword uh, statement for I think about eighty percent of her models. And wow, the other thing she does is she can drain. And this is a bit of an odd wording, but she can drain the opponent's actions of their quality results. Uh, okay. So essentially she's putting a lot of what they're doing on negatives, whether it's through distracted oh. or her own serene countenance or all of her minions and everybody who have manipulative effectively. She's saying, do you want to hit me and possibly miss, or do you want to use focus and essentially give yourself slow for one quality hit? Right. Yeah, that's that's disruptive. <laughs> that's definitely disruptive. Yeah, it, it makes me wish that they hadn't changed distracted from the closed beta when it was literally the opposite of focused, because that was a big hit uh, to the performers, because now all of her minions, except for the ice dancers, if you focus and hit them, if you have a five anywhere in your damage track, you can take any of them down in one hit. Now, do you feel like that that's unbalanced or is it something that, um, I mean, if they're only getting half their actions, I, I would imagine, you know, allowing them to, you know, be able to get through at some point uh, is important or, or are you feeling it's it's made them too fragile? It's definitely made me look for more uh, able to take a hit minions, uh, at least one mm -hmm. in a crew, just so I can carry my uh, magical training and get that seven card hand Arcanist standard, uh, which I know everybody loves. Yep. Yeah. So how about uh, Colette's offensive ab ability? Can she, uh, can she put out any damage herself? She can. Uh, she has two ways of doing so. Her, her main melee is distracting illusion. It's a stat seven versus willpower. And standardly, all it does is give you stunned and distracted one. But on a crow trigger, the target either has to discard a card or it suffers three damage. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so that, that's... And does she, does she have ways to... Uh you know, to, to really bolster her soul stone game or is, does she spend soul stones and gain soul stones the same way as everybody else? Uh, the same as everybody else, but in Arcanist, that means if you bring the answer to the, the minion who can take a hit question, the durable minion and bring a soul stone miner, you can create a new soul stone every turn, which is nice. great. And yep. she can actually use her totems. If they're nearby, she can destroy them for a soul stone, making that crow trigger a lot more viable. Indeed. Um, and yep. the other way, and honestly, the primary way I've done damage with her is her attack bonus action, her sword trick, uh, which is a three inch, no melee, no uh, projectile, just a three inch attack. And it does three, four, six damage. But Ooh, that's good. It is. And this is how good this uh, ability is. That is the secondary reason I use it on anybody. Oh, wow. Because the second part of that is target suffers three, four, six damage and is buried. At the start of the target's next activation, unbury it within two inches of an enemy scheme marker. Interesting. Which means if you have any scheme markers out on the table, I choose which one it goes near. Oh, wow. That's right. Because you, you, you control the unbury. Exactly. The only way it doesn't happen is if you don't have a scheme marker, you can choose to bring them back up in your deployment, in your deployment zone, yeah. but then you're back in your deployment zone and I don't really care. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So how's Colette staying alive? Um, can we kind of go through some of her defensive tech? Sure, sure. She has quite a bit of defensive tech. Uh, Serene Countenance, as I mentioned earlier, every attack coming in at her suffers a negative automatically. Uh, 
it's really that combined with her uh, defense five willpower six and her fadeaway trigger on a tome, which is built built in on her defense. Uh, when an enemy hits her, when resolving, she reduces any damage suffered by two and then she buries. Okay. And then what happens? Well, then whenever she activates, she has another ability on the front of her card that says at the start of her activation, if she's buried, unbury it within three inches of a friendly model or friendly scheme marker. And then when she unburies for any reason, every enemy within pulse three gains distracted one. Oh, that's good. That's good. Which then goes nicely into another action on the front of her card of enemy models with distracted starting their activation within a six inch aura gain stunned. Boy, oh boy. That, all of that could add up pretty fast. It does. And the, the trick is it kind of, and, and especially in the beta, it led to multiple times of my opponents. Once they realized how she worked going, I don't want to attack her. Right. And then they realized if I don't attack her, I'm giving Roman three actions and a bonus action every turn to do whatever he wants. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a no win situation, honestly. That's cool. It's cool because, and you know, to what you hinted at, it feels thematic, um, but it sounds powerful and competitive at the same time. It is. And I'm, I'm glad it's where it is. We'll get to some more uh, weaknesses in there. It, it At first, in true illusion format for our, our master illusionist here, it looks solid as nothing else when you first look at it. As you kind of pick it apart, you go, oh, this is very hard from a certain direction, but if I hit it from another direction, it's brittle and crumbles. I feel like I'm coming across that over and over again in third edition where, you know, your first turn or two turns against a new master, you're like, holy Christmas, this is like, like, what the hell is going on here? And then you kind of figure out, you know what? I thought I was going to attack it with plan A, but plan B is the way to go. But it takes a turn or two sometimes to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I, I really think the more as, as we get into M3, I think the more you play against or really what I recommend always, if you're having trouble playing against something, try playing it for a couple games. Yeah. You will figure out where the holes are. Yeah, when you're it's amazing. So, you know, like I remember uh, I had we had a bunch of Sandy players here in the North Carolina meta and <clears throat> it always I mean, it just it was so oppressive. And, you know, it, to the point where at times this is before he got nerfed at the end of 2E, it, it, it felt um, not not fun anymore, you know, and you always felt he had an answer for everything. Your life was hard. Their life was easy. And um, John Pravlik, who's a, a big Sandy player, um, really kind of helped me understand that. And this is not that suddenly Sandeep wasn't good, but he allowed, you know, really took me in and allowed me to kind of see Sandeep from the other side. So your point's great because what you didn't realize is how many hard decisions and how much pressure the Sandeep players were under. Um, and even, you know, you remember when they were successful, you never see when they were unsuccessful or even more, you never saw what they didn't do because they couldn't do it. Um, so yeah, it, um, yeah, that's great. Great advice, Roman, is, you know, play the play the master and you'll be amazed uh, what a different set of glasses will give you entirely. And as far as Sandeep, I'm not to get off track, but I'm super excited for him in M3E because I played him twice in M2E. 
honestly had, I don't know if I just had the perfect hand every time or what, but the second time I played him was in a tournament and I thought my opponent was just going to scoop the game because it was just flowing so perfectly. I put him in the box and didn't play him the rest of the edition because I wanted to actually have fun. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> you're going to trigger me, man. You're going to trigger me. Don't like, don't make me think Sandeep is just as good. I haven't played against him yet. Oh, Lord. All right. So, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk to Roman a little bit more specifically about how to build a performer crew. So we're going to get into what Roman thinks is really kind of the core crew. And then we're going to talk about how much things like um, how to keyword and versatile models impact his build. So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. With 3rd Edition Malifaux released, it's time for you to get a new mat with new deployment zones. We've tried every mat in the business and nobody has better quality and selection than mats by Mars. They're waterproof and they roll and unroll easily and they're even wet erase Marco compatible. They offer over 35 designs and let you add M3EO overlays for making deployment and positioning a breeze. Check them out at matsbymars.com. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you've found the perfect mat, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get 10% off your entire order. If you really want to support us in the notes of your order, request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat. It's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler. Again, that's Matt by Mars. Use the promo code third floor to get a 10% discount. Details are in the show notes. So now we have an idea kind of, you know, how Colette works. I want to talk a little bit more about the rest of the performers. So Roman, can you um, talk to me a little bit about maybe a core crew? Obviously it's going to be Colette and Colette's totem um, with the, uh, the doves, but are there other models that, you know, make up maybe say 80% of your lists? Oh, for sure. Uh, probably not 80% as far as the size of the list, 80% as far as, as often as I take them. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, first thing I always do after I decide I'm playing a Colette crew, I have yet to run into a scheme pool where I don't want Angelica, mm. which is exactly the opposite of M2E. You yeah. never took her because the crew didn't need more of what she had. She is now the, while everybody else is doing other things, she can run a scheme by herself. So how does she do that? I'm not, I haven't read her card yet. So she has a six inch move before the game starts. Uh, at the beginning of turn one, essentially. Uh Uh, She has a bonus action to push a friendly, or excuse me, move a friendly friendly performer five inches within eight inches of her. It doesn't say it's a move. It's a move. So she can still, yeah. and, And she can use it on herself. Wow. So she can interact, do that to herself, interact. Yeah. She also has a, uh, her ranged attack is a shockwave. It doesn't do damage, but it makes uh, the shockwave, I believe it's a range two as well. So it's a pretty big one. Uh, it doesn't do damage, but if you fail the duel, you gain distracted one. Yeah. And honestly, I've barely used that for that. Usually if I'm using her for something, I'm making sure I have the uh, tome in hand to get the trigger so that whenever I place the shockwave, I don't remove it. It's a scheme marker. She has a mini practice production. Sorry about triggering you there. (laughs) uh, Built into her card like that, which I think is great because she's always the one that you took it on. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. And it sounds like, 
she kind of feels a little bit like she did in two, but it sounds a lot more impactful. Oh yeah, entirely. And I, I love the fact that she fits with her home crew now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Isn't that funny you say that because you would see Angelica in almost any other Arcanist crew except Colette. <laughs> yeah. No, if you, if you were running a Colette crew, either Colette or Cassandra had practice production. Yep. If you were running anything else, Angelica was there as your, your cheap, like nine stone practice production model. Yep. Yep. So true. So how about, is there any performer beaters? Yes and no. Uh, as far as beaters within the keyword, Colette's the only one who has a min damage three attack, and that's her bonus action or her, her trigger if you get it. Everybody else is a two, four, five damage track on the duet and on Cassandra are the two that I would consider beaters. That said, uh, they can do some good work, especially with focus to help them out. But if I need to do actual min three face beating damage, I bring in some versatile models for that. Uh, usually the emissary or the captain. Oh, okay. Great. Now, you know, we never saw a whole lot of the arcanist emissary in two. Uh, I'm taking it that, uh, it's a lot more useful in three. Uh, yeah, it has a nice little aura that says, uh, I forget if they changed it to where you can't cheat once it's up or if you have to I believe it got changed to discard a card to cheat since it's been up I honestly haven't had uh, many games with it since the closed beta ended so that's why I'm a little fuzzy on that one Uh, but it's nice there it has an action that will make them push away from it far enough that it can charge and when they push away they take damage and then it charges you and does min 3 so it's a nice beater Uh, it will fall to some focus damage because uh, it doesn't have hard to kill like most of the other emissaries, it has regen one. Okay, okay. So back to Angelica. So she's making a lot of your list. It sounds like who else is making a lot of your core list? So I start with after I pick Colette and the Doves and Angelica. I generally pick two out of the three of either Cassandra, Carlos, or the Duet. Okay. There are games where I'll take all three, but it's not as often. And what what? What decides that? So how do you, how, what, what's going to have to be, is it the opposing crew uh, faction? Is it um, the master that you're up against or the pool or all of that? A little bit all the way around. And, and this is where it can get a little tricky, especially for new players, because all three of them on the surface kind of do the same thing. They all have ways of moving really fast and giving about the same amount of damage. So like Cassandra has nimble and walk five. Carlos has walk six, and his bonus action will move him five inches. Uh, the duet is walk six and has its... It's a really fun one because it uh, its bonus action is going to be to split apart into two Corifi, and then each of those Corifi, the second one that activates, will dance together. So you get some extra shenanigans out of the movement from the replacing of the bases moving. Right. And you can, you can get probably four to six inches off of that in a turn. That's cool. That's cool. And you already talked about how the Corfi are going to be your beaters and Cassandra can be the beater. How about Carlos? Uh, Carlos is a little bit less uh, straight up damage in melee. Uh, He has a, a, it's a two, three, four damage track, but it has burning on it. So it ends up being about the same, just time-lapse damage. If you Mm -hmm. want to put it that way. Uh, Interestingly enough, he and Cassandra both have the same ranged attack, Breath of Fire, which is two, three blast, four double blast, and no projectile on it. 
So that's actually pretty nice. If you're going to be stuck in something, you don't have to worry about friendly fire. You don't have to worry about, yeah, shooting into combat. Sorry, I was jumping ahead on two different things. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so it, you can actually get a decent amount of range damage in this crew, uh, which isn't that usual for Arcanists. Yeah, no, that's good. And it, um, you know, burning's great, especially when you have more than one model handing it out, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, burning one's great, but burning three's better. Um, so that's very cool. How about some support pieces? So it sounds like Angelica is doing some support um, in your core crew. Is there any other support pieces you're bringing in? So, and that's actually, that's going to be some of the deciding factor on which one of the, the two of those three that I mentioned comes in, because the duet actually has an action that will pulse out healing within a few inches of it. Uh, so, if I think I'm going to need some healing, I'll bring the duet, and Cassandra actually has her upstage action, which will say, grab a non-bonus tactical action off of a model within eight inches. So she can steal that healing off of the duet. Nice. Or if she needs to put out some pyre markers, she can steal that from Carlos. Uh, actually, that might be a bonus action. I don't have his card in front of me. Yeah, that's cool. And so, you know, if you're going up against, say, you know, a damage dealing crew or a damage dealing keyword, uh, then you know you might need that healing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that, that, that gives you a little bit more of an informed decision. Who's running schemes in your core crew? Uh, Angelica, you mentioned. Yeah, honestly, any of the, the three I just mentioned as well, too, because they're so fast. Uh, mannequins and showgirls are two of the minions that I haven't really mentioned yet. They can both run schemes very well. Showgirls have Don't Mind Me. They have a lure, uh, which has a trigger if you get it to hand out distracted. Uh, and that can be useful to get people out of position, as well as uh, the mannequin is actually really good. Uh, previously, it could not interact. Now it can. Nice. And while being able to do that, it's given up some of its defensive abilities. It's only armor one now. But uh, they still follow around performer models that end moves within six inches of them. So you can pair up for nine stones, a showgirl and a mannequin, walk the showgirl twice and get the mannequin to move 10 inches for free. And then it still hasn't gone yet. Yeah. The first time you see that happen, you're like, wait, wait, what, what just happened? Cause it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's an ability. Another one, like what we've been talking about that reads good and plays great. Mm-hmm. You, you want me to blow your mind here on that one? Yeah. Let's hear it. The doves are performers. Oh, no shit. I'll be damned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's what's their move? Seven. Oh, good Lord. With flight. That's that's really the trick is then yeah. why I haven't got a ton of, of stuff out of that because they have to end within five of the mannequin and the mannequin pushes into base contact. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, good. It gives you a lot more flexibility. So you're not tied down and restricted quite as much. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. So do you. How often do you, I mean, we talked about the emissary a little bit. Is there any other keyword, uh, out of keyword or versatile models that you're pulling in that, um, that, that often make your list? The, I would say most of the time I'm bringing in a soulstone miner to carry magical training just because the showgirls and a mannequin, if I am not expecting an enemy to jump up as quickly as they can, they will get squished pretty quickly if I'm not already set up expecting that enemy to do it. So I'm distracting them a lot. Right. Uh, and then I lose magical training and that's a problem. Whereas the soul stone miner uh, is 
pretty much a, a hard rock to crush unless you have a way of getting through shielded and uh, and armor two with that magical training on it. The other one that I have found that is my my super secret Arcanist tech uh, for this crew, and I expect is going to do really well in other crews too, are most dapper of lycanthropes, Ferdinand Vogel. Oh, talked about that. I haven't heard, I haven't heard talk about him. So he and and the reason you haven't yet is because Marcus. While I think he's in a pretty good spot, I was I was fighting for him a lot in the beta. Um, he hasn't gotten a lot of notice at the moment. And I'm not quite sure why, but what uh, Vogel does is he has an impeded and a decent walk. He has a really cool uh, ability that he kept from last edition of if he ends a walk once per activation within three inches of a scheme marker, friendly or enemy, he can discard it to draw a card. That's so good. Yeah, right there. And he's eight stones, nine stones out of keyword. Definitely worth it. Um, he can discard a card at the start of his activation to heal two and turn into the beast within. I have yet to do that with a Colette crew. I have only done that once with a Marcus crew. And the beast within is still really good. It's just that he, you, you would expect the damage track to change. It's still a two, four, five in melee. So what would cause you to... Because I would automatically assume the beast within is when you want to do some damage, but it sounds like that's not his purpose. What what, what purpose does the beast serve? Uh, he has some interesting triggers on his melee. He can heal two more uh, for every time he hits. If he gets a ram, he has an armor ignoring trigger, which is pretty good. That's nice. But honestly, I again, with Colette, I have yet to change Vogel into the beast because Vogel has another ranged attack that is not a projectile that does the same two, four, five damage track and has a trigger to draw a card. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. And his bonus action hands out shielded two. It can be on him. It can be on any friendly within eight inches and it has a a heal two trigger as well. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. He, um, I don't want to call him, you know, kind of a utility piece because he's, I mean, that damage track's legit. Um, yeah, I can see where he's worth attacks. And I actually uh, jack him up two more stones. I put Soulstone Cash on him, effectively making him a henchman. So if I need any of those triggers, I have them. Right. And cool thing that I, I've been I've been getting some work out of it. I can do more if I'm really focusing on it. The other aspect of Soulstone Cash, if anything dies within aura three of him, you get a Soulstone. Yeah, and you've got the miners doing their thing as well. Um, so it gives you that flexibility. Um, and it's really interesting, I think, in third edition too, uh, you can get a lot more out of Soul Stones and it uh, it's easy to forget um, what you can use Soul Stones for now if you're an M2, th- M2 player. So that's very, very valuable. So how about um, hiring a master? Do you ever find yourself doing that? I've tried it a little bit and it doesn't really fit for most uh, Arcanists with my play style. Uh, I think it's a great idea, and I like the fact that the option's there. Uh, honestly, though, Colette is most often going to be the master you're going to hire as your second model, second master into other Arcanist crews. That's interesting. What role does she play with other crews? Exactly the same she does here. She disrupts the opposing crew. She puts out some incidental scheme markers with Presto Changeo and generally makes a nuisance of herself while the rest of the crew goes, deal with her. We're going to get work done. That's that's interesting. So you, you you have found hiring her not as the leader. 
Yes. In fact, there's hiring her not as the leader gets you away from some of her weaknesses, specifically hers, not necessarily the crews that we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, I'm sure. But in general, if you don't know she's coming, you can't tack against her. Right. Right. Good point. Now, I have kind of toyed around with the idea of bringing in another, a second master with her. And the two that I find probably the best ideas are the two that have a model that shares a keyword with her, uh, Raspy and Karis. Mm-hmm. So Raspy, her biggest issue is that she is slow. Colette can presto changeo her to get her up the table, and then she can throw out a bunch of ice pillars to block off lanes to keep people from coming in at you in certain directions. Uh, she won't hand out the slow from people starting near the ice pillars because that's only if she's the leader, but it's still something that I've been wanting to try, and ice dancers work for both of them. Mm-hmm. Karis and Carlos can both pop pyre markers out again with board control and handing out more burning. Uh, and Karis has some amazing ranged attack that is effectively min three, but also to get to min three pings twice. So if you're dealing with armor shielded, it works really well against that. I think the only way Roman to really figure out whether hiring certain masters helps or hurts is to do what you're talking about, which is you got to put them on the table Um, Mm -hmm. and you got to figure out how much is losing that leader ability and going to impact it. And are you going to get, because they're not cheap, are you going to get the value out of it? Um, And I think it's going to be very interesting where we are six, eight, nine months from now. Cause I think a lot of, there's a lot of questions we have that the beta didn't give us enough time to answer, but a solid half three quarters of a year will i completely agree and overall i think barring some probably interesting uh options that we'll see in those six to eight months i think when you had kyle on the show he was spot on with it's cool that the options there it can make for some fun combinations but it's not ever going to be the most optimal way to do it because just by the the cost of your masters they're going to be worth at least two models and while they're getting three actions maybe a fourth with their their bonus action they're not going to get four actions maybe a fifth or sixth with two bonus actions split between two models yeah, when Matt talked about that, it made me really happy that the design team had been thinking to say, we want this to be something that's fun, but doesn't break the competitive scene. And it sounds like they put a lot of thought behind that. Um, because my initial reaction is, you know what, if you're going to put it in the rules, fine, but it better not be in gaining grounds. I better not see it at tournaments, but it looks like they were ahead of me. Yeah. So let's um, let's take a break. And when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more, Roman, about, you know, how much does the pool and the opposing uh, faction or master impact your builds? So we'll kind of walk through the strategies um, and maybe even uh, talk about some actual games that you've played. So we'll be right back. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. 
The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. Okay, so now that we kind of really understand kind of what Roman's thinking as he's, you know, putting together his performer crew and kind of the core group, he's got a decent amount of flex stones to work with. Um, so, Roman, what I'm hoping to get a sense of is based on each of the strategies, um, you know, how are you spending those extra stones? So let's start with something like plant explosives. What are some models that you'll commonly bring into uh, that strategy? So plant explosives is Colette's favorite strategy, it's entirely interact and positioning based. She can do this with really any crew you want her to. Uh, the one I've had the most success success with is her, her doves, Cassandra, the duet, uh, Vogel with the, the upgrade, and the Soulstone Miner with the upgrade. I actually have a, a perfect example of that uh, in a game where I was playing against Hamlin. Uh, one of our locals and not only was I getting every point available when we called it due to time, uh, but I was able to keep him from getting claim jump, which if anybody's faced Hamlin with Nyx and a few other things that once they get where they're going, it's impossible to remove them through normal beating in their face means I was able to stop him on both points on, on claim jump, not knowing which one he took it on. So you say this is one of the best ones for Colette. Um, Can you guys kind of give us a little bit of a kind of the approach? So we kind of have an idea of what crew you bring. What happens when they hit the table? How do you, how do you approach plant explosives? So uh, first off, you know, pretty much everything you have has don't mind me. A lot of the things I've mentioned so far are pretty speedy at getting across the table. Uh, Pretty much I say put two stones on the duet, put a stone on Cassandra, or excuse me, not stones, bombs, uh, a bomb on Cassandra, a bomb on Angelica, and probably one on Colette. She'll have at least one turn in there where she's just in the middle, but slightly over the center line and send them towards the center line and they'll get it done. The Mm -hmm. duet will pretty much take a flank all on its own. People will, if they go at it, it will chew them up with a little time and then end up dropping the the bombs as necessary once it's done with them or has just gotten away from them. Uh, Cassandra will do roughly the same thing, but in a slightly less annoying way. <laughs> um, and the and Angelica is going to do what she's going to do. And just, again, she can just move away from whatever you have unless you physically lock her in with other models or terrain. Uh, and Colette's going to end up using Presto Changeo to get your models where they don't want to be, get out a, uh, a scheme marker for free with that object at range, and then she's going to end up either being the other target of that to put her where she wants to be, or she's just going to walk and drop down bombs. So it, it, I understand the offense piece of that, right? So you, you, with your speed and stuff like that, you know, getting the bombs down, do you play any level of defense at all? Or you do you just bet on the fact that you're going to be better at planting bombs than your opponent? Honestly, the biggest part of the defense is the offense in this case. Because you're moving so fast, you're generally going to cross the center line before they do. And they don't have don't mind me. You can keep them interacted and hold them in place and end up being right in front of them, especially with like a big base like the duet has, and just go, oh, I'm over the center line. I'm going to drop this down. You can't do anything about yeah. it, and I'm still here hitting you in the face. 
Now that said, Colette also with the Presto Changeo can walk up, drop a bomb, and go, "Hey, you're you're over the center line. Uh, switch places with that dove that's back in your deployment zone." Thank you. Bye. Yep. Yep. Very close. Again, that positioning that we talked about. How about turf war? Um, how, how does do? You, well, first of all, uh, do you think she's good in turf war? It's a little bit harder just because there's more killing involved. Uh, but with good use of focus and careful target selection, she can do it well. This is one where I will often swap out uh, Cassandra and a couple stones for the captain or uh, possibly even Vogel for the captain. But I like Vogel for the healing in there. So it, it ends up being one that you will bring your duet and Vogel for the healing, bring captain for some extra killy power. Yep. And other than that, you're going to take your turf war markers. You're going to move out of your zone so that if you die, you're not turning them off and you're just going to put on enough pressure and move them at a position where they don't want to be. If they try to get behind you, you switch them back to where they're right in front of you. One of your guys is now in your deployment zone and or your quarter and moves back up. So you're, you're playing the positioning game a lot in there. Is there an Arcanist master that's become your go-to for turf war? Uh, honestly, Karis, uh, just because she is basically the ranged beater of Arcanist now, which I'm so happy about. Yeah. Um, and I, she's just so much fun to play. I liked her in 2E, uh, but people were, were very tough on her. Yeah, she's, uh, she's pretty good. Um, uh, I think it was a week or two ago, we released, um, a deep dive with, uh, James Doxy over in the UK and, uh, he, he, he loved Karis when she was bad and he loves her now that she's good. Um, so for those of you that didn't listen to that episode, you should, uh, jump back uh, an episode or two and, and pick it up. How about, uh, Corrupted Idols? Um, is she a good pick for it? And if so, how do you approach it? Corrupted Idols is her second favorite strategy. Nice. It's just a little bit down from from Plant Explosives. Again, it's a lot of they have a lot of movement tricks to get their interacting models to the idols, no matter where they pop up. Uh, you can bring all of your healing tricks. So this is one where I would bring some mannequins in, mm-hmm. uh, and doves will pull them around to put them where they need to go. Your performers or Cassandra or whoever is there is going to actually be moving them, and then the mannequins get a healer back up and go. Yeah, that didn't hurt so bad. You're fine. You figure out pretty quick after you play uh, uh, Corrupted Idols a few times that speed and, re- and the ability to reposition are huge. Oh, yeah. And and it's it's that's one of the weird ones that if you look at it, I love the fact that it's actually in your best interest to go to the flanks yep. because there you can be within range of four of them if you're on both flanks pretty easily. Whereas if you're in the middle, you're really only in range of the center and maybe the next two out from that. Yeah, but I can really see that the performer's ability to sounds pretty efficiently get where you need that model to get um, could could help a lot with corrupted idols. Is there any secret tech as far as you know the build for corrupted idols, or is it just speed and repositioning? Make sure you have that. It's speed and repositioning, and Colette does both of those. Right. Uh, after that, it's basically bring bring the heels and do. It, after that, any tech that you bring is going to be specified towards the schemes. How about Reckoning? That's definitely the hardest one for this crew. Yeah. Uh, If I bring her into it, it's because of a favorable scheme pool, and the crew will definitely be more versatile Mm model-based. You're going to bring the captain. You're going to bring the emissary. uh, Even uh, bringing some arachnid swarms with diesel engines so you can get those double positives on uh, damage so long as they're above half wounds on charges. I already hate that model. I've, I've faced that model twice, and I hate that model. It's so good. 
It is so good. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy just because you're going to see them in non Ramos crews. Yeah, no, they're going to be, a, 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 I predict, a common hire unless there's a one last adjustment here before full release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, them them and the uh, Soulstone Miners are, if there's going to be any, any changes, I bet it's going to be to them. I'm hoping it's not, or if it is, it's a small tweak because both of those being such versatile models and being good at it are really a boon to the whole faction. And most yeah. of the factions have, from what I can see, some really good versatile models like that. Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to unlock um the versatiles in uh resurrectionists. I have a I have a feeling that they're not as obvious um as maybe some other factions. And quite honestly, Roman, I haven't gotten enough games in to really have an opinion yet. Um, but I think one of the keys for faction balancing, um, which I think you're hinting at here, is that we really need the factions to have equally useful, versatile models. Um, I think that's going to be the key to balancing faction versus faction. Completely agree. They need to be roughly equally good, but good in different ways that the faction can make use of. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So I'm going to give you a scenario here, Roman. Okay. Uh, we, uh, are, we've, uh, announced that we're going to do the USFO tour season one. Um, it's going to start with Nova this year and we're going to fast forward into late spring, early summer of 2020. And you're playing, you're, uh, at the master's tournament for the first season, uh, to become the U- first U S master. And you look at the pool for round five and you say, wow. This is perfect. I'm bringing Colette. I want to know what is the strategy and talk to me about the scheme pool that makes this the ultimate situation for Colette. Okay. So definitely plan explosives is the strategy. Yep. Like she can, she can pretty much do that in her sleep with her core crew. No extra tech. I want that one. Uh, Honestly, extra points if it's corner deployment, because a lot of other crews don't have the speed to manage with that. I'll take that as well. Yep. Uh, on top of that, if you give me harness the ley line, outflank, uh, claim jump, not for me, but because it's so easy for me to deny. Same yep. with assassinate. Yep. And let's see, that should give me one more unless I miscounted. Uh, take prisoner. And Roman, I think you're bringing up something that's really important that um, I haven't completely wrapped my head around yet, but I think it's going to end up being um, critical for play, which is looking at the pool. Not only is this pool good for my keyword, but if I bring this keyword, this pool becomes bad for my opponent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with them switching from the 10 points to the 8 points, denial, which was already good in... Uh, in gaining grounds 2018 and M2E uh, denial just ratcheted up to honestly, I consider that just as much, if not more than my own points. No question. No question. And and as a result, I think we're going to find that third edition is deeper than second. I concur. Yeah. All right. Um, Any really kind of good anecdotal recent game examples, uh, Roman, where, you know, you brought Colette and either something really cool happened or she did a great job or maybe figured out something unexpected about her? Uh, I did realize that birds were or that the doves were performers and can drag around mannequins uh, recently. That was a a mind blowing experience. Another one I realized uh, 
I until recently almost never took Vendetta with them because the crew was so top heavy. Yeah. I have here's another one that's gonna blow your mind and even better, everyone, every faction can make use of this. Uh, the way replacement rules work, you can bring in something cheap like an effigy, or for Colette, you can bring in two Corifee instead of the duet, put Vendetta on the cheap model against anything more expensive than them, and when they turn into either their emissary or the duet, Vendetta shifts to target the new, bigger model. And the original em- enemy target stays the same and is still considered legal be how, because how the replacement rules work. Wow. So I could pick my target and eventually kill it with a higher stone model because I did the replace. That is very interesting, Roman. I don't think I'd thought about that. When did that come up? Like, when did that hit your brain? Uh, so I can't take credit for that one. That's a very good friend of mine, uh, who is in the St. Louis area playing Ulix. And he said, I'm going to take Vendetta on this piglet against your five stone, whatever. And Ulix <laughs> is going to grow this into a war pig and eat it. Very cool. Uh, and I just, what made me go is, Oh, why am I? It costs the same to bring two Corifi as it does to bring the duet. I'm yep. just giving you a pass token turn one, which I'm probably already doing. Cause I have three doves. That's fine. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. God, I can't wait to like the more we play this new edition, the more that kind of stuff is going to come up. And and that that gets me really excited, really excited. All right, Roman, I'm going to take we're going to take one last break and um, we're going to give a little bit of uh, love to the non-Arcanist players out there. I want you to talk about, um, you know, if someone's facing Colette and the performing and the performer crew, what are some things that might help them out? So uh, we'll be right back. So Roman has laid out for us some some really kind of cool ideas, uh, some cool concepts, some cool builds and approaches um, to be successful with Colette. Uh, but I know that there's some of you out there that um, have faced her or will be facing her. So Roman, I, I want you to uh, betray your faction and talk to me a little bit about um, some things that we should keep in mind um, when we're going up against her. Not happily done, but happily done. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've actually given this a really good amount of thought all through the, the closed and open beta, trying to find, you know, where her, everyone was screaming, her defenses are too good. There's nothing you can do against this. And I would list off four or five things that it's like, why aren't you trying this? Don't try and hit her in the face with a greatsword. That's a bad idea. Um, so what I'm getting at is performers have a very specific set of defenses and Colette has her even more specific set of defenses. They're all very good woven together, but if you get behind those defenses or hit them in the right way, the crew melts. It's like hitting a katana on the ground on the flat of the blade. It's a strong sword, but it's brittle. If you hit it the wrong way, it's going to shatter. Got it. Uh, Specifically for Colette, you want anything that can ignore, well, excuse me, this one's for, for the whole crew. You want anything that can deny or ignore negative flips. This can be mm-hmm. something as simple as having a utility model stack focus on one of your beaters so that your beater isn't using its own uh, actions to focus and it can just go to town. This could be having ruthless, so you're ignoring manipulative. This could be condition removal or just having extra actions to assist and remove the distracted. Uh 
And anybody can do any of those, pretty much. Uh, that will get you around the vast majority of the defenses of the crew as a whole. Uh, for Colette specifically, you want things that can deny or get around resistance triggers. Uh, fade away is what not only keeps her alive, but it enables her to pop up and hand out that free distracted and stunned and move around for free. But at the end of the day, she still only has 10 wounds, a few heavy hits. If she isn't able to declare that fade away trigger, we'll take her down. And one thing, and this is another thing that every faction has access to and has been her uh, easiest way of getting to her all through M2E and now in M3E, indirect incidental damage. Yep. Blasts, pulses, auras, and we've added more to that with things like Shockwave and uh, Blade Rush. It's a little bit here and there, but it's going to take her down eventually. Uh, of course, attacking buried models uh, is good against her. Uh, if Most crews aren't going to have a, enough of that to make a huge difference, but again, only 10 wounds. I'm either having to spend a lot of stones to prevent as much of that as possible, or she's dying pretty quickly. And it sounds like she's not, you know, that she can bring some healing, but you're not always bringing healing into her crew. Right. And generally speaking, when she activates, it's at a key point that's going to allow her to uh, disable something in the other person's crew. And that's not necessarily going to be at the same time as when I can get a healer over or in the same place where I can get a healer to quickly. So you hit into this a little bit, Roman, but I want to flesh it out a little bit more. Um, if I'm facing Colette and, you know, obviously when I finally, I already picked my keyword, but when I f um, started building my crew, I knew she was going to be the uh, master. When I get on the table, is it smart for me to go at her or, or ignore her? You kind of hinted that ignoring her is, is at your own peril. It's honestly, that's going to be a game by game and a crew by crew basis. Uh, I think, I don't think you ever want to ignore her totally. The question is, if you're going to go after her, can you bring enough pressure to where it matters? Or is it just going to be, thank you, I'll take that one damage after anything less than a min four damage attack from fade away, and I'll pop up where I want, and I'll give you distracted and continue to do what I want. If you have even a little bit of what I'm talking about now with the, the indirect damage, or if you have irreducible damage, even if you can't turn off her trigger, it's a reduce. So yep. she'll still bury, but she'll take full damage. If you do that a couple times, I'm either eating stones like candy, which means I'm not doing as much Presto Changeo because that does need a mask in its target number and it's not built in, um, which is her primary way of moving stuff where she wants it. Or other issues. Other cool thing, uh, you can also just hit her with willpower attacks. It's mm. a, her higher stat, and she can get the tome for the fadeaway trigger, but it's not built in. It's so easy to forget that um, when you look at this type of stuff. Um, uh, I, You know what? I hadn't even thought about that. Um, and as a reser player, I have some really good ways to attack your willpower. Um, so that's helpful. Very, very cool. Um, any kind of last advice or thoughts out there for people who have been you know, thinking about playing Colette? Um, what's kind of the elevator pitch that uh, makes people want to uh, buy that crew box and put it on the table? As far as wanting to play her, if you want something that is very fun and in a different way than everything. If you like magic shows at all, she's who you want. If you like the idea of these smuggler 
uh, showgirls, which is just an amazing idea. You're not going to find that anywhere outside of Malifaux. Uh, go for it. And showgirls with, you know, deadly dancing robot dolls to help them out. Go for it. This is what you're going to want to do. Um, the other thing I would follow it up with is, hey, new player that wants to get her, never take her into Thunders. <laughs> Why is that? So everything that I mentioned that will eat Colette like a sandwich uh, is in Thunders for seven stones. They have a two stone upgrade that puts out a six inch aura that denies resistance triggers. And they have plenty of mobile versatile beaters that can do this. Yeah. Uh, and they have their versatile model that I'm a little worried because I also play Thunders recently uh, for any last minute changes. The Tanuki, which is also a brewy model, uh, and that can hand out two focus a turn along with some healing to the same model and still have a walk action afterwards. That's all the counters that you talked about. Yes. Uh, the only time you're ever going to see an experienced Colette player take her into Thunders is as a second master, because the second I say Colette, any Thunders model that no or Thunders player that knows about her is going to spend those seven stones plus the beater of their choice and dismantle her by the end of turn two. Well, so out of curiosity, Roman, being you know pool agnostic, who do you think is a good master to take into Thunders? Uh, in in Arcanists, honestly. The the Arcanist Thunder's Master Mei Fang, she is pretty solid this mm. edition around. Uh, Karis is pretty solid, and Raspy's good if you like a control game, which I do. I just am not as practiced with her this edition. Uh, she would be very good to slow Thunders down. They're also very fast on that front. Me personally, I'd probably take uh, Karis, Tony, or May. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, Roman, I'm going to need you to uh, come back and uh, talk about some of those masters. Um, we'll do another deep dive together. But until we get you uh, back on the show, uh, where's a good place for people to uh, uh, get in touch with you or, to, or read more of your material? So I am on the weird forums as Boomstick. Uh, you can look for me. I will be writing a ton of stuff to put on the forums as well after the uh, official release. Uh, I've also been, as we mentioned initially, contributing to the Schemes and Stones blog. So far, I've just hit it up with uh, a Monday model breakdown every week, so far focusing on the versatile models. Uh, but I will be adding more there as well. Uh, I'm on Facebook in a weird place. You can hit me up there. And if you're going to be uh, looking for more of a face-to-face -face connection, I will be at MuseOnCon for the Schemes and Stones Open uh, May 24th to 26th in Iowa, uh, proving that it's not just the coast where people have a lively Malifaux community. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I'm not going to be able to make it this year, but I've promised myself um, that I need to make it out because I think that um, all the feedback I hear about that uh, get-together every year is 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 very positive. Um, plus, you you guys do a great job of traveling east um, to play in some of our events over here. Um, the least we could do is make it out to uh, your part of the town. Yeah, come on out. I, I know right now they're looking at uh, more than 20 people this year. Uh, I know about six of us are coming in. I'm going from Indy to St. Louis, and then we have a group of us going from St. Louis convoying in from there. It's a great time. Had a bunch of fun last year. Met a bunch of cool people. That's actually how I, I met the Steam Powered Scoundrels, which is the other place you can hear me occasionally on their podcast. And 
Uh, last year when I went, we were working on the, the third floors nationals or third floor wars nationals conferences and had a wonderful time uh, afterwards going, ooh, look at how much our, uh, our stats went up after we did well there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. Um, I'm really excited to uh, to have brought back um, the USFO tour, um, which really was what what gave birth to Third Floor Wars. Um, and now that we have a release date, uh, and you guys, you guys had a strong conference um, as far as the number of events and things that were popping up. Um, you were you were looking to have as many um, master slots as even the East Coast was. Um, so that's that's very cool. Well, I can't thank you enough, man. Um, like I said, uh, we'll have you back. We'll talk a little bit more about some of those other masters you mentioned. And uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, tuned in and listened. Take care. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on The Third Floor.